On this episode, we talked to Quinn about her latest run of solo tracks and where her music might be heading. We also talked a little bit about her journey of discovery and self-acceptance and how that's shaping the music that she's currently putting out. And of course, you know she let us hear a few tunes as well, one of which has yet to be released. So sit back, sip your poison, and enjoy the ride. I'm Galen Capson. This is the Peg and Place Podcast. Looking at your um, Podbean account earlier and just kind of seeing some of the people you've talked to and, uh, you know, recognize a lot of names and stuff. So usually you do um, you do a lot of like live recordings, right? Like, I, I of try shows to, and stuff? yeah. COVID has kind nice. of squashed that quite a bit, but. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of what got me started was I wanted every episode to be a session initially. Because I'm kind of obsessed with like raw, stripped down sets for people. But that just kind of eventually became a less and less feasible thing for everybody that I wanted. So I kind of had to do it when I can, but be flexible with when I can't, which is more often than not, really. Fair. Yeah, fair. It's awesome. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So one question I I love to ask, and I've kind of gotten away from it, um, mostly... But uh, what do you love about music? Mm. Music has always been something for me that I can go to. It's like an activity and an experience that I can have when I am feeling like just like a a lot of emotion. So if it's really like a swell of positive emotion or negative or I don't know what this emotion is, music's always received that really well. especially when I don't know how to express it, uh, no matter what it is, the nature of it. So yeah, ever since I was a kid, like I started writing music in my head to kind of match the moods that I was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've always loved that about it, that, you know, it's it's been there um, for me. It's been just a part of my, I don't know, just a part of who I am I'll, I'll hear like I'll, I'll kind of feel something or I'll think of something and I'll often hear like almost like a soundtrack in my head to what that would sound like mm-hmm. um yeah so I, I love I love that about music and and it, I love that it connects people on that level too that you don't have to necessarily use words and I love I love conversation I love being able to talk but I love that music can you know get people together and everyone feels that song together and they're like yeah i that did something for me and then that's it it's just this beautiful connection so yeah that's what i love about it good answer good good (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like everyone's got different reasons right like why they're drawn to um, making music but uh, everyone does but you'd be surprised by the commonalities in their answers like a lot of people go to the same idea or philosophy of what music is to them and a lot of it rings consistent through answers there might just be a couple notes of consistency through everybody's answer i notice it's really interesting yeah i think it's pretty cool. cool yeah music's one of those things too it's it's an it's an art form and so many of us don't really know you know, well, I don't know. I don't know how I got into it aside from just that I, just what I was saying, that I would hear it in my head. Like my, my family's very creative, but not musical. So it wasn't like I was all around, I was around music or something. I wasn't. So, so where, yeah. in, where in life did music kind of enter into your world? Um, well, I mean, it really became like, that that whole process of I just remember like running around my yard feeling inspired and hearing music in my head when I was 
Like it's one of my earliest memories when I was really little, but, um, that kind of evolved over time. Um, it, it was kind of one of those things where it was like just one of many things, but I was always very, um, like, uh, imaginative and creative and in my head. But when I was um, 14 or 15, I wrote my first song and my first full song with, you know, on the piano and I recorded it on my um, Mac laptop at the time and like garage band. And, <laughs> um, that was the first uh, thing. I just didn't know how to deal with what I was feeling. It was like a heartbreak thing because, you know, 14 or 15 is yeah. the way it goes. <laughs> From there, I just kind of in the kind of unique setting that I grew up in, there wasn't any musicians that were expressing what I was going through. Exactly. Like, it, not exactly. There was some that I would kind of connect with, but I was like, I'm kind of, I just felt kind of different. And I came to realize as I grew up that I was in a really different um, situation. But I was like, well, no one's doing it. I can just do it for myself. <laughs> so I started to do it uh, for myself. And then I started to share it with friends and uh, my community. And it was received like super well. And I went from this girl who no one really knew who I was to people being like, Hey, and I was like, okay, that is different. I've always been kind of a wallflower, <laughs> but now, now people know who I am because <laughs> I sing. So yeah, it kind of changed then. And then it just never stopped. It just kept going like that. It just kept on making more music and more music and eventually, um, you know, got me to where I am today, which is putting music out and pretty regularly and doing shows and well, before COVID <laughs> doing shows. Yeah. <laughs> before the world stopped. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. yeah. I know you've kind of addressed some of where you've been and where you are in, in your music, especially some of the stuff you've been putting out lately. Is your music where it is now because of where you've been? I don't know if there's a better way to phrase that question, but For sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and you can let me know even more specifics if you um, can, if you want to. But um, yeah, I mean, we're all kind of a product of our, you know, experiences. And well, I'm doing a doing a master's in counseling right now, so literally we're products of our experiences, genetics, and perspectives. Um, so when it comes to experiences, um, yeah, like growing up in this like really exclusive uh, religious community. Um, it was like really tight knit. So they were amazing support in some ways. And it was incredible to have like a dependable friend group that you always, you just always had this community of people. But as I became older and I started really critically thinking about what my spirituality meant to me and if it even fit what they liked, it didn't, that wasn't okay, be different. And mm. so I had to leave the community to be genuine. And that was really hard. Uh, I was like 18, 18 when I did that. Yeah, it was like, we love you, but uh, you can't, if you're not going to follow our rules, like which were really restrictive toward women in particular, then uh, you can't be here. And we, we love you, so come back uh, whenever you want. But basically, like, we're not changing, so you're going to have to adjust. So, you know, mm. from this little tiny community that I grew up in, like <laughs> it was, that was my whole world. And so, but I, I did leave. And then, yeah, it was like 10 years of trying to process that and figure out what do, what do I believe? What does spirituality and what mean to me? And am I religious and all that stuff? And then eventually kind of, you know, zoom way forward the past like four years and uh leaving like institutional religion was a, a big step for mm. me and and George we kind of left together and uh and then I without all the like social restrictions on me I was able to start to see myself differently and then like more recently congratulations my latest song out is about you know making boundaries to protect my queerness basically because I've always been a queer person, but it was always just not, well, it, you know, up until I got out of that scene, I, I hated that part of myself and was super right, ashamed yeah. of it. And I was told it was wrong. 
you know? So, so yeah, it was like the shame was reinforced. So uh, that was, that was tough. <laughs> that was a tough one. Yeah. No, I 100% believe that. Yeah. Trying to like, oh, okay. Try not to hate yourself while you're trying, also trying to figure out, do I even believe this is wrong? No, not really. Like, well then why do I still hate myself? (laughs) It was just, it was kind of super rough for like a few years. Um, So I just removed myself from that whole community to sort it out because it was so easy to get triggered. And I, in that time started working on the music that ended up being Bloom, which was awesome. And I got, uh, I met this whole new like music community and was really embraced as I was. And that was amazing to have and then yeah just i had the freedom to kind of explore and be like okay well these guys seem to think i'm all right and i can now i need to make sure that i don't hate myself <laughs> so, right. and now i'm i'm kind of where i'm at now which is i feel like music has helped me through all of that and it's allowed me to just be who i am and express that continuously and just it's a bit been about kind of finding the audiences that can receive that person right. rather than I can't sing this to these people because they won't understand, they won't respect it, whatever it is. Don't call me a sweetheart cause I'm not. Dude, it's not a good look, you should stop. Think I'm cute but I could fuck you up. JK, JK, but you made me shop. Thanks a lot cause it doesn't seem like people really get me. They think I like to clean up, but I'm messy I'm dressing like myself so they'll respect me I'm a big, bad, tough bitch I feel pretty badass in these kicks I am not surprised you're into it I got this contagious confidence Ask me how I do it, I'll admit My dark arms tell you who I am and that's the way I want it exact same journey but um you know have been i guess oppressed is the only word i can think of uh being held down by the religious convictions of their family or their community and then really constantly 
drawing themselves into question until they get away from it. And then they eventually realize that everything that's going on in their head isn't as abnormal as they've been told. You know, everything is mostly normal. You know, hitting yourself for being told what you're doing is wrong or what you feel is wrong. And um, I can't, I've been fortunate to not grow up in that in, in a big sense. So I, I can't entirely grasp it, you know. I can kind of try to as much as I can, but I just can't imagine growing up that way. Yeah, it's uh, you don't really know that you're growing up in it. It's just the philosophy of kind of like this exclusive truth, which I think is actually a pretty, it's become a pretty big problem uh, around the world, especially in North America. We know the truth uh, and nobody else does. So all the kind of conspiracies and small groups of people that think they have the truth and maybe it feels good. I don't know what the motivation is there, but it does, it does feel nice to be like, we, we have the answer and we're safe over here, kind of tucked away. And it's just kind of like what is really damaging aside from the fact that you're kind of sheltered from the rest of the world is that there's this belief that you're inherently um, evil and that you have to, for me, it just, it felt damaging to be like you are you're inherently evil at your core from birth and you need a higher power to come in and uh, change that by surrendering yourself to them 100 percent then they can kind of put on all these things well that higher power says that you should do this and shouldn't do that and they're these kind of interpretations of this old text right mm. and it's coming from all these authority figures and it's like it turned out like the God that I like loved so much was just like a huge narcissist. Like <laughs> I had no idea. But, you know, coming out of it now, it's like I've come out of an abusive relationship with this guy who's like, love me. I think you're the worst, but I do love you. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, I'll I'll help you maybe, but I won't respond to everything you ask. And I'll keep you guessing. Like, just not a healthy relationship with a higher power. I think there are ways to have healthy relationships with one. Uh, that was not the way. I mean, this is my super biased opinion. This is like, you know, this is not my, if I was wearing like my professional like counselor and training hats, I would not say these things to someone because they're not everyone has a different experience with church. Right, yeah, and um, everybody kind of has to find their own truth in all of that as well. For some people, they're totally fine with it, and even though they they think along the same lines, they might be still comfortable with that, whereas you know, the person beside them might be very much like yourself. You're like, no, this, this doesn't work for me. This isn't right. I need yeah, something healthier, sure. and I need to feel happier. Yeah. In your case, you fortunately got out for you which is awesome because a lot of people don't and a lot of people that want to will still just go through their lives going through the motions in a very unhealthy way yeah yeah i think so yeah it's interesting it's all very complex was music like a coping mechanism or was it sort of just help you express i guess it could be both yeah i think it was yeah i think uh it's like, I don't know what to do with this feeling, but I also hear music in my head and I hear maybe like a phrase. So it just kind of made sense. It just was a part of my natural flow, I guess, as a person to just take it, take whatever I was feeling and put it through music and then kind of live with that song for a while and repeat the words in my head and hear it in my head, maybe work on the song um, on, you know, the computer and stuff. And that was all part of like the dealing with it thing, like for coping, but also it just kind of happened. Like, I don't know how, how to describe it, but sometimes I find, um, I find that I don't understand what I'm writing. I just kind of write something and just kind of like free flow almost. Mm -hmm. And then I'm surprised afterwards that I wrote that thing and I was like, is this something I'm feeling? And it's like, well, people are so, like I said, people are so complex that 
it could be something I'm feeling. It doesn't mean I'm always feeling that way, but sometimes. And it's like, oh, that's neat. It's really cool. Then there's the other type of song where it's just putting on a character and putting on a, you go into a kind of a mode or a state and you write from that perspective freely without the rules you put on yourself in real life. Like, You Love the Way I Leave is a song like that for me, where it's just like, just being as free-spirited as possible. I've actually never been that kind of person, but I love the idea of that, the freedom. Right, <laughs> so, yeah. so I just put on that character to write a pop song. And then it's it kind of honors that part of me, even if I don't really express that in real life very often, I guess, <laughs> or ever. <laughs> it still feels really great to be like, yeah, that's part of who I am, that, that little vibe right there. Yeah, so m- music's been great for kind of like exploration, expression, coping, all kinds of stuff. Was Bloom your first real like performing act, like performing a lot with, or had you done some anything before that? I had done shows as a solo artist. I, I'd kind of gone around, I was doing more like folk pop music um, before. And I mean, they were kind of your standard like folk pop shows and I, I did I don't I don't remember how many of those I did maybe like 20 25 or something before I started really focusing on um, the music I was making with uh, Daniel James which was all the pop stuff right um, which turned into bloom and so it kind of bloom felt like my first act or first performance experience because uh, it was so it was so different and yeah i don't know it wasn't really my first but it definitely ex- changed everything right yeah yeah and did you ever see a bloom show oh yeah <laughs> many actually well no, i shouldn't say really many, but like maybe three four at least yeah oh nice do you have a one that you remember more um than the others i think the first time might have been folly fest the summer before COVID hit yeah I yeah, think yeah. that was the first time I saw you guys live. So that one kind of solidified. I was like, oh, shit, where did these guys come from? And... <laughs> oh, it's so funny because we, we had been sending, Dan and I have been sending files back and forth on Dropbox and like Facebook Messenger for a couple of years. And we hardly even knew each other, really. <laughs> we were just constantly making music. And then it kind of feels like even for us, it was like here we are <laughs> like we we just emerged from our homes and then started doing these wild shows with all of our energy that we built up <laughs> so yeah yeah that, i remember that show that was an awesome experience that night that was my first year for uh folly fest as well and oh, cool. uh it was a, a really cool time like it was different from other festival experiences because i was you know, I do Future Forest a lot and uh, stuff like that. So it was kind of a different feel from that, mm-hmm. which I loved because one of the predominant festival experiences I have was Future Forest. So it was cool to feel something different, I guess, or experience something just a little bit different. That's yeah. equally as fun, but in a different kind of way. Was, yeah, yeah. Cool Smaller time. scale, but not as, uh, as many bright lights, you know. Right, yeah. Um, but no um exactly folly is great and we played future forest that year as well yeah do you did you i did i did see that three in the morning oh you did oh yeah (laughs) it was like three in the morning you just never know who was like still up right (laughs) my friend al came to uh folly fest with me and uh he fell in love with you guys like right away he's like i got to see and hear everything these guys do so uh he found out you guys were playing future forest as well so he's like all right i'm coming to future forest i gotta and he had never been before so he was in it for that too but you guys were kind of what sealed the deal for him i guess no way that's so nice to hear even all like what two years later i'm like oh (laughs) that's great that's awesome i'm so glad it really resonated with people wasn't expecting that but um i'm so glad that it did because I was having the time of my life doing yeah. that show, doing well, that set. The presentation that you guys put out there, 
It's like your your music was polished. Like it was just sounded super tight. The stage presence was all there. You had that backdrop in the background with the lights on it. I think it spelled out Bloom, but it shifted a little bit if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's it did. been two years. I could yeah. be wrong. That's but, okay. Uh, no, it did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the whole package was just like, it seemed like you had been doing it for a long time. You had had it down. And uh, that's kind of where I was just like, where did this come from? How have, how have I not heard of this before? And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Adam has lots and lots of performance experience. He was the one playing the drum pad, uh, has been in so many bands. And uh, so he had a stage presence and just he, he had, he brought all this experience with him. Dan was sort of similar him and adam had been in a band called the bell comedians and they played a lot of shows so they had all that experience and of course dan had been in bands before i didn't have a lot of stage experience but i had a lot of passion so i just Mm. kind of showed up and we had we all kind of riffed off each other's energy and and off of the audience's energy that made it really easy (laughs) yeah to look out and see people responding and then you just like kind of ping pong that energy back and forth and it was just super fun like it was really easy to grow fast with bloom so i think it kind of gave that feeling and and dan and i had spent like the two years before we started playing bloom shows really dreaming up the perfect performance like saying like you know having this really kind of high standard and being like i don't want to both of us kind of being like we love to make the music and we will also perform the music if it looks like this which means that it it's the set is like really professional and engaging and it's people it's not kind of your standard show that's what we wanted to match this like electronic pop vibe that we were bringing to the maritimes in a way that we hadn't seen Mm. Uh, there's other people doing it but we hadn't seen it so we were just like well someone has to do like it was kind of in the same kind of the same way that when I was writing as a teenager, it's like, well, no one's doing it. I got to do it. Like so, um, so I'm glad it sat well with people. And uh, super sad that COVID ended everything. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, Bloom kind of became the show more than anything else, and it was just devastating and devastating to the project when COVID hit. Yeah, so it was like, I believe that. You know, the plans just completely went out the window and we ended up parting ways and shifting focuses. So it's like, well, I'll, I'll still make music. I'll still make pop music. But trying to let go of Bloom was hard. Well, it certainly offered you the opportunity to work with other people as well. So you're not stuck with one partner or you're not just working with one partner. Like even your last track that was with Fowler, I think. Yeah. 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 Which is, he's kind of a ubiquitous guy. He keeps coming up when I'm talking to people lately. <laughs> he just did a track <laughs> a little while ago with um, uh, Cloverdale, who was one of my past guests a little while ago, who had just done a track with Fowler. Kind of funny. <laughs> Maybe I'll have nice. to talk to him someday. But <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's that's Nick. And uh, Nick's been working with me on solo music since 2017-ish. So I kind of had Bloom on the go and um, much less busy was my solo project with Nick to the point that no one even knew I had it. And we had all all this music uh, sitting in our Dropbox. Um, So yeah, Nick is, you know, iconic. I consider him like my producer, like the one that I, my main person that I work with. Um, And, but I work with like lots of people and I've got to work with so many first kind of like focusing on like, okay, you need it. This this DJ or this producer over here does this genre and they want a top line, which is just just a vocal with a melody and some lyrics that they can put on their electronic track. And so it kind of started like that. And now it's more, it's, it's kind of shifted to being like, I, I'll still do that. And then I also work with different producers like Nick who make pop music. Yeah, so it's like, not every solo song that I put out will be made by Nick, but probably most of them would. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess with the way things are going. Right. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, it's it's been great to work with so many different people, and I think it's a little unique because I a lot of singer songwriter 
people like myself would usually have more co-writing experience with other singer-songwriters, but because of the need in the electronic genres for vocals, um, a lot of these guys don't sing. <laughs> so, right. and it's mostly guys. Um, I've kind of ended up putting a lot of energy into that because it's where the need's been, and it's allowed me to, you know, mess around in different genres and see what I like and see what you know what kind of sticks for me. And you said you're sorry, but I've got doubts. When you think you know the right thing for everyone else I used to let you in without a question Now I'm gonna be cautious I don't want to love you, don't know how You can't see that you stress me out And if we're gonna try again it's gonna be a delicate process Top up that poison for you. No, no, you keep the tip. All we need is a little like and share. That'll do just fine. There you go. Have a good day. I've recently just sort of learned how the uh, electronic music scene works, sort of behind the scenes, as opposed to, you know, bands and folk and things like that, like more. Every song might have a different producer and then go in different directions or end up on different albums, whereas, you know, a band will tend to have one producer for the entire album or, you know, and I thought that was really 
cool. Surely it's got to be scary sometimes, I think, because it's maybe a little less focused, I guess. But in a way, it's cool because you get all these opportunities, like you were saying, to work with all these people that might offer you something, but you also offer them something. And it's just for one track. You're not committing to an album. And I think that's a, a really cool functionality, I guess, of the electric electronic uh, music scene that I just really had never thought of. It's kind of neat. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's different. Um, it was a big uh, change in mindset to go from um, singer songer, sing, singer songwriter, you know, folk pop artist, where it's like this you write every song and you think this is going to go on that album or this can go on this album. And who do I want to be my producer for that album? It, it took, it's not that I had to leave that behind, but it just sort of worked to my advantage to stop thinking like that mm. um, for productivity <laughs> to uh, eventually, you know, it's only the last like year or so that I've really been like, yeah, like my solo stuff, singles you know maybe i'll do an ep or an album or something but it just makes so much more sense to be working on these singles and i think too with electronic uh, based music it's happening on computers that's where it's often starting right mm. and so you you get an idea and then you you upload it somewhere like you know dropbox or something you're like hey listen to this idea and then someone listens to it and they go maybe they go hey, like, I really like that. Do you mind if I try to do something, like, with it? Too? Are you open to collaborating? It's like, yes or no, you know? And if it's yes, cool. Okay, well, then maybe we'll do a collab on this one. And then it's like, oh, we need some, we need someone with this kind of experience, you know, maybe it'd be good to bring this person on. And it's like that. So I think, yes, well, that's what you're talking about, right? It, that's how the flow works. It's different than mm. like a band that comes in and they're like, yeah. here are all of my ideas. And that's a beautiful thing on its own. Um, this is just a different approach, basically. Yeah. Right. And I think it kind of affords you more um, opportunity to be creative in different ways, maybe, or work a little outside of what you would or, you know, outside of the box of what you would if you were just doing your own thing. And so you're hearing these new beats and new rhythms that you didn't create or your buddy that you're working with all the time didn't create. Uh, so there's this whole new thing that you could be attaching yourself to. And then you can do that as much as you're able, I guess, or as much as you're willing to. That's got to yeah, be fun too. It's super fun. So what you're describing is like what happened to me in 2016 when um, I first met uh, Dan, who, you know, was the producer for Bloom. And uh, he, he was just making beats, you know, in his, in his house. And uh, I was, I just had like a billion songs, so song ideas that needed production. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it started. It was like, here's, do you want to, you know, try to put these things together and then it was just like in my mind hearing my music like that was too exciting to not pursue intensely so right. i just kept going with it and uh you know for several years um he was the most consistent person um kind of energy level wise where like we get ideas fire them back and forth at like a rate that matched the other person's flow. Um, the only thing that we really struggled with, which I think happens a lot with this kind of thing, it's kind of the downside to this way of going about things is that it's kind of open-ended and it's like, I have this idea, let's see if we can make something of it. And then you end up with, you can end up with a big folder online with all of these ideas that aren't finished right? Um, and that may or may not see the light of day and you're inspired by something newer always that you're making the thing right now, even though the other stuff is really decent. It's hard to be excited about it. It was two years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm, it's like, yeah. And that was a, that was the biggest struggle for us is Dan and I had tons of music that could have been out 
still still have all that stuff but and i i you know it's not like they're gone it's not like the ideas are gone but it is hard to look back and be like oh, all those years i was making all that music and what i put out like four or five songs and i think we had like 70 or something wow in our folder so yeah so that's kind of that was like a huge learning curve thing for me was like learning not to just ride the high the creative high right all the time because it was kind of kind of addicting to be honest it just felt so good to create something and it was exciting and like and then over time you know you're tired of that one <laughs> you want to make another one <laughs> but then no one's hearing it <laughs> so it's you know it doesn't do the music uh justice i guess to to go like that so it's kind of like maturing as a creative person i think is learning to uh to be okay with you know going a little bit of a different rate i guess so. yeah i feel as though during covid anyhow it's kind of changed the structure at least for the time being how music is being put out and a lot of people i talk to now over the past year are like I've been working on this album. I've got an album that's recorded. It just needs to be pressed and sold. But they didn't want to go do that because they can't go and tour it. So a lot of people are kind of going back to the idea of like, well, maybe I'm just going to release it a single at a time. And then once I'm able to tour and sell records at a show, I'll press it and then sell it as an album. But for the time being, just go single by single, even non-electronic artists, like a lot of folk artists are going that way. And um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a good plan, I think. I think Sorry, so, too. What were you going to say? No, that, 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 that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it is a good plan. And I like that model, especially right now. It's the world of streaming, right? So we're in it no matter what. Everybody is. Every mm. type of genre is in the world of individual songs right now. So that's just, it's kind of responding to the environment. And it is, there's something really precious about an album or a collection of music that can't be understated. And I think artists and bands know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's a summary of something or it's a collection of something and it's like, you, you can't replace that. It, you'll never get that feeling with singles, but you can, there is something different that is the strength of singles, which is you can really focus on each and every song right. and get and really in the promo for that, talk about each and every song rather than, you know, here's 12 songs here, are like the four that everyone really listens to a lot and the rest I hope someday someone asks me about because I care about that, but no one else does. <laughs> like that's kind of like where my head goes. But now I'm like I'm releasing, you know, singles and I'm talking about every song. You know, it's like it's it's kind of nice, but it's not the same. So I think there's something great about making an album, and I think the idea of like make releasing a bunch of singles that get then put into an album. That's what a lot of pop artists are doing now. And we're talking like albums that are like 18, 19 tracks long, right? Because it's all about getting those streams and they're releasing them individually mostly. And you still know that it's all part of a collection the whole time. Like there's ways to work with it, which I think is what you're talking about with the other people that you you were referencing, right? Mm. It's like there's a, there's a time and place for the album and that'll be... I will, I will, you know, put it together when I can use that. Where right now, maybe not so much. Like, but touring, it's coming back. It's coming back. American acts are booking all their tours. I don't know if you've been seeing that. I have. I have. I mean, yeah. It is uh, an exciting prospect. Um, it's probably the thing I miss the most out of everything right now. Yeah, I feel you. I've gone to uh, a handful of shows through the pandemic at the cap uh, here in Fredericton. Uh, and that has really helped um, scratch the itch. Uh, it's not quite the same, right? Because it's like seated. That's the biggest difference is that it's seated. Right. Um, and exactly. it's in the day, the daytime. But it still, it still does something for the soul to see live music. Um, I went to a hip hop show the other night and, uh, just being around music 
booming out of these giant speakers and people you see people you know over there and it's like oh i don't see anyone ever so this is nice <laughs> you know yeah um yeah there's just the community aspect of it i i realized is huge for me but yeah if you're especially if you're used to taking in a lot of live music not having that i can't imagine like the withdrawal how have you met the need of even watching like live shows online or anything like that yeah that that scratched some of the itch and of it was more depressing at first than it is now like i'm kind of you know i've come to terms over the past year and a half with it. but uh yeah mostly live shows at first and well last summer poca logan uh, even though it was very stripped down and you had your bubbles it still afforded me that opportunity to experience the live music. And I didn't have to worry about sitting down, which was nice. You could still dance a bit. But other than that, I haven't really had a lot of live music. COVID's shaking everything up for everybody. I think we're all doing the best we can. And, you know, but, uh, but yeah. Poke Logan last year, I, I mean, yeah, obviously I was there too. And there's nothing like screaming punk rock mixed with <laughs> rap like beats or whatever was going on at like 12 in the morning at yeah. these giant speakers with <laughs> other millennials <laughs> I'm so glad that I did that it's like oh life is back <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if you were um, there for that but oh, yeah. someone that there was a girl DJ and she did it she uh... it was maybe the highlight of my year <laughs> like, I loved it so she does emo or she used to do emo nights but it was never like like that one was kind of infused with you know beats and things and it was uh mixed i guess whereas usually anything i've seen of hers because i've gone to a few of her um shows and it's just her playing song after song normally of old memorable emo tracks um so good i needed it i had no idea how bad my little like 15 year old (laughs) self was like needed that (laughs) yeah it it was kind of weird i didn't expect to enjoy it as much as i did and i was like yeah i felt the same way it's like i needed that (laughs) there was a catharsis there what's her what's her name sarah hellingworth oh yeah Okay, okay. I think I follow her too, actually. I just didn't put it together. But her DJ name is not Sarah uh, Helen No, it's right? Shelling Wolf, I think. Okay. Okay, there you go. Yeah, that was the best. That was the best. So glad in the middle of COVID I was able to experience that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Really looking forward to next year when things are probably Hopefully. going to yeah. look probably probably normal (laughs) i I say all that you can hear like the (laughs) because i don't want to you know well that's what i was saying last summer as well i was like oh but next summer things will be back to normal well Mm. (laughs) we're getting there at least here we are closer yeah Yeah. You don't 
that you want to get out there like you want to like congratulations you've talked very openly about it on you know social media things like that um self-acceptance and sort of the self reclamation i guess um Mm -hmm. your other tracks i haven't seen as much discussion of i guess so is there anything in the other tracks that um you're putting out there or Anything you wanted to to mention about them, or any thoughts you had on them? Um, well, there's a story. There's a story behind every song, and it's just a matter of you know, is it personal to me, you know, and worth sharing, or is it just like here's a song and right. enjoy it and do it, do with it what you will. With congratulations, you know, it was, it wasn't. It, the lyrics don't actually make it clear that it's a a queer song because mm-hmm. it was a queer song for me Um, but it's actually better probably applied to more people as a a boundary song and like it's a bittersweet kind of song about saying like i i love you but this hurts so i have to things have to change like i have to stand up for myself and Mm -hmm. say that things have to change so so it made sense to like explain that um because uh, of who I am, the big part of why I've always chosen to share music is because I have like this kind of teacher energy slash there's a lot of teachers in my family that I, I want to teach what and it helps me to remember too what I've learned by like kind of teaching it or like sharing it to be like, okay, I have this information. I would like to share this information. It just feels like the right thing to do because I would have loved to have had that from someone else. Like I would have loved to have seen someone like me saying the things that I'm saying now. So I'm just thinking I could do that for somebody else if I feel safe to. So in this case, I felt safe to. So I decided to talk about it um, with songs like Doc Martens. It was like a little, a little more... I don't know crass is the right word, but it was a, a little bit more like obviously queer, but I didn't really want to talk about it. I was like, the song kind of said everything mm-hmm. that you need to hear. There you go. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and like I said, with you love the way I leave, it was like, again, there wasn't this like huge heart behind it or anything. It was really fun to explore just being wild and free and, a huge like flirt and tease and you know it's like just a fun thing to to explore especially like on stage and stuff that's where that can come out in my life in kind of a little container and uh i love that so it's like well be able to make a song you can perform that and bring that energy out and then put it away (laughs) you know uh if i want to you know so that's yeah i guess some some songs have more explanation than others i'm just trying to think of songs that are coming out i did give you one um to play called blanket statements uh, that is still uh i think it'll sound a little bit different when it's done but it's unreleased and it's it's one that i'll probably talk about too um because it's kind of about being again i wrote it like 2018 i think it was kind of when i was just starting to be like I'm I feel judged I feel like people are expecting me to be one thing and I'm I'm not going to turn out to be that kind of person and it's hard to evolve like that in a small town people don't really know how to respond (laughs) uh, to that kind of change in someone Uh, so you know going from really religious to not religious that's kind of the main theme of that underneath but 
hopefully it's more globally applicable if that's on. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of an example of like another one that I would probably talk about a little more. But yeah, I mean, I, like I was saying earlier, I'm in school to become a um, counselor, or like a, a therapist. So this is all part of who I am is that I want to help people with what I know. So it's a way of kind of almost like doing kind of a therapy, like through music. Yeah. I mean, like it's a really personal way of doing it. But I love that too. So I'll do it a few different ways, you know. So going back to kind of what you said about kind of taking your experiences and using it to teach, do you feel as an artist that if you have this thing to teach, do you feel there's a some sort of a responsibility for you to convey that? Or do you just convey it not so much out of a sense of responsibility, but here's the thing I, wa- I want to share with you, not that I should share with you. Ties back to this kind of like the, the should, like I should be this, I should be that. I'm a bad person if I do this. I'm a good person if I do that. Mm. Like in So the way I would have come at that um, at the start, especially was, uh, especially when I realized, you know, you are queer, you can use that label. I felt at first really afraid of myself almost without realizing it because I had I was putting a pressure on myself to be like well now you know on trend with who you are is that once you've realized something you share it so you're gonna you have to share this now um, because people need to know and I think one of the best things I did for myself was I you know I talked to friends and and you know George and stuff and just this kind of like you don't you don't have to do anything this is this is you this is who you are there's no pressure make yourself vulnerable so it kind of comes back to that safety of like yes i learned a a life lesson in the sense of like oh i i learned something like oh this is who i am and i'm allowed to be that Mm -hmm. but do i have to share it no definitely Mm -hmm. not but once i became comfortable with it i just wanted to Right. So it kind of changed things. And I was like, yeah. And then once I felt safe enough to, I actually wasn't as safe as I thought I was when I first started uh, doing this and I got hurt. Um, So that's another whole conversation. Um, But uh, I think like I wanted to do this because it felt like an honest expression of who I was. So you can share whatever you want when you're ready. It's like, oh, I want to share this. Okay. Well, I guess I must be ready. That's what happened here with congratulations anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah no. What are your thoughts on all that? Um, it's it's shifted, you know, as I've I've gotten older. I used to think um, that artists kind of have a responsibility to share those lessons or share this knowledge or insight on things. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of leaned more towards what you have just said, and that's a super valid point. Of just, do I have to share it? No especially if you're not comfortable sharing it. Um, But are you comfortable sharing it? Do you want to share it? Then, yeah. Yeah. So I have to agree with you. That's that's absolutely the outlook. I hadn't always thought that way. And initially that, you know, kind of started thinking about like bands that have political views, I guess is probably where it came into my more formative years, listening to like Tool and Rage Against the Machine and things like that. But not just politics, obviously. There's... A lot of human experience to be shared through art that you know can be and lessons to be learned but yeah yeah i think i think you're right i think it's you, you don't have to if you're going to enjoy what you're doing you don't have to do anything you don't want to do and a big part of music for musicians i like to think and hope is that they're enjoying what they're doing for some people that's certainly not the case they're out there too share this agenda with people and it's not purely about them enjoying it but for me i think some of the best music out there is the music that these people are enjoying making so yeah i agree with you yeah that's (laughs) cool i think uh, like learning about um how to take care of myself and then what i'm hoping to be able to help other people with too is um learning what to do with that sense of justice that we feel especially as artists, what do you do when something really bothers you? A lot of us write a song or create something and we feel like 
you know, it could even go too far and be like, I have to share this, but there's so many voices, you know, you don't want to be like trying to elevate yours over others either, just because it comes out in a different way. Right. But there's, but you also don't want to be like, well, I have a thing and I have to share it because I, there's a moral obligation. It's my responsibility. Artists are the ones who change society um, by coming at things creatively and and really throwing people for a loop. And that that is an amazing thing about artists that they can do that. But a lot of artists feel a lot of pressure already in their heads of like just trying to live and uh, I think like the mental health aspect is is huge and that's just one more pressure and if you're encouraging someone who already deals with a lot of shame um, to be more vulnerable again um, and subject to random YouTube comments for example it's mm, like you may not point. have the the ability to actually deal with that rejection uh so it, it could actually make it worse until you're kind of hermiting <laughs> because it's too scary and then you feel just like frustrated between i have a lot of things i want to say and express i can't express them because i'm not safe so there's there's that little that little dance you got to do mm. so definitely do things based on a feeling of like justice like with congratulations, it feels like a morally just thing to do, to be like, I'm out, I'm comfortable with that in this setting, so I'm going to do this. But if I was like too scared, I've I've learned this from like producers and people that I've worked with. There's just like, if you're if you're like uncomfortable with that lyric or that this song, like we don't have to put it out. It's like, oh, we don't have to put it out. That is a that is a concept <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's that's helped a lot so there's always this little this little war i think that happens when you're doing something that can stir things a little bit it's not that enjoyable to think you might get like hate messages from people that's a good point but uh it is does feel like you've done something to help the world if you do it because you believe in it so yeah is there um Anything that you wanted to get out there, anything specifically pointedly that you wanted to discuss or that maybe I hadn't already brought up? I guess just that I'm working on the live side and uh, I, I feel like I'm almost like like um, kind of shouting from like the sidelines as a show is starting up like, wait for me, I'll, I'll be there <laughs> soon. <laughs> Don't forget about me. Got someone that I'm you know, working with to kind of like DJ the live stuff and thinking about if there's other aspects that I need or, or what right now. So it's, it's kind of in the works, but just focusing on getting music out. If you could say yeah. anything to somebody who wanted to do what you're doing right now and they were maybe coming up or starting to write or what's, what's one bit of key advice you think you could lay on somebody? I mean, what I was just saying about taking the pressure off and asking about what your motivations are. It's not like who wouldn't love to have a bunch of people saying something that you made is sticking with me and I love it. That's not, it's not bad to love that, um, to love that idea. But is that filling a gap that could be filled by you that could be dealt with, you know, because there's something missing outside of your creative world. And once you take that pressure off your creative process, then it, it's a, uh, really frees you up to make whatever you want uh, if you're feeling stuck or like you can't write honestly or that you don't know what if you can share um, what you're writing um, it might be because you don't feel like you can and that's okay but yeah just kind of doing that like self-exploration of like motivation and stuff i think a key to really enjoying what you're doing i think anyway. yeah thank you for giving me an opportunity to share i really appreciate it oh it's no nice problem to get to talk about this stuff Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Almost two hours out of your life. <laughs> yeah, listen, sir, I feel like I took two, hour, two hours of your life. <sighs> Cover me with Your blanket statements Hey, that's okay, cause Your 
St. John, this is Mike Roy here with the Beaconsfield Bulldogs, and you've been listening to the Bacon Podcast.